Welcome to the Missing Link for SLPs podcast. I'm really glad you're here. Today's episode is part of the How to SLP series, where we focus on basic skills that SLPs need in their careers, helping them build a solid foundation for a successful and rewarding career. Welcome, welcome to Renee and Christina, all the way from California with Five Oaks Speech Therapy Services. I am so glad to have you two here today. I've not had two speech pathologists at the same time in an interview, so this is a learning curve for me. <laughs> You're going to have to be able to handle both of us because we're quite <laughs> <laughs> I You're think quite the handful. Oh, there we go. It's already started. You're quite the handful. This is going to be so much fun. So as I, um, now just briefly before we started, I said, this is a podcast for brand new speech pathologists. So tell me if you would share with me your stories on why you became speech pathologists. Oh boy. Chris, do you want to go first? Um, sure. So I kind of stumbled upon speech pathology. It wasn't something I necessarily knew about. I initially was going to go into nursing and I thought, nursing, here I come. And as I was going through just general ed education, I actually kept bumping into speech pathologists. And my story is kind of weird in that I actually crashed into a speech pathologist like literally crashed into a speech pathologist. Like car-wise? Yeah, like I hit her. Like, oh, oh that's a yeah. way to make an impression. You hit right. her. Yeah, I hit her car. I, I, I hit her car. Like I'm a 18-year-old, you know, with a license. So I definitely hit her. Hit her <laughs> car was my car. And she was very kind and she could tell I was flustered. And she was like, what do you do? And I was like, nothing. And she's like, no, if you do something. I'm like, I'm a student. She was, what are you studying? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> she was, she was very kind. She's like, why don't you come observe me? I'm a speech pathologist. And I was like, whoa. I was like, sure, I'll do whatever you say. I will come <laughs> observe you. <laughs> so I did. I went to go observe her and was like, what is this? Like, I've never heard of this. Like, this is amazing. I loved watching her at the school district. I thought she was so um, amazing and she was helping, like, the kids and she was uh, she talked to me about language about where all speech pathologists could work she was like you can work at a hospital you can work at a prison she's like you oh. can work <laughs> right she was telling me all the settings and I was like this is amazing and she was like you still kind of be medical and and so I researched it and was like yeah I think this is what I want to do and change my trajectory and so I pursued it and here I am that is one of the most unique stories of origins I've heard. But fantastic. Wow. Way to, way to advocate for the speech, speech therapy field. Yeah, I just crashed into one, apparently. Yeah. And, and it's amazing that came up in conversation. <laughs> oh, excellent. And how about you, Renee? Well, um, I'm a little bit older than Christina. Actually, I'm a quite bit older than Christina. So I've been an SLP for approximately 24 years. And I think I just kind of, after I was graduated from high school, um, I'd always been in a field of caregiving because my mother was a caregiver for a special needs uh, county schools. And so I kind of grew up with um, 
knew about IEPs, et cetera, and kind of decided to go physical therapy and then took an intro to Calm Disc class and just fell in love with it and went that direction instead, which I'm very happy that I did. So that's, that's kind of how I made my way into speech pathology. Um, but the funny story is <laughs> I was the speech pathologist at Christina's high school when she was in high school. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a come about story. So the lady that she crashed into was my coworker. <laughs> oh, how funny. What a yeah. small little world. Oh, the world is very, very small. Yeah. And at the same time, it can seem so big. I was just right. saying, one of the things I wanted to touch on today was networking and uh, how you guys networked and crashing into other cars is probably not the best networking technique, but it worked in your case. <laughs> right. It was a one-time deal. I didn't keep crashing into people's oh. cars, just so you know. <laughs> so now the two of you are based out of California. And you yes. have a business, Five Oaks Speech Therapy Services. Tell me about that. So I worked for the school district for about 20 years. But while I was working for the school district, I also did some supervisory um, commitments for a private practice. And while I was supervising for that particular private practice, I happened to... Um, still interact with Christina, oddly enough. At, we were at a conference one year when Christina was graduating from college and I was trying to recruit her to come work for our district. So we had, I had interviewed her and gave her a tour of our school district, the one that she crashed into the late for. She ended up not going there and that was fine. She ended up going to a, to a, a medical facility and the medical facility that Christina was working at also had um, a contract with the private practice that I was working at. So I would touch base with Christina periodically regarding authorizations and evaluations, et cetera. And we happened to stay in touch that way. And then I decided to go off in my own direction, start my own, own corporation, which was Five Oak Speech, and happened to be at a Starbucks and Chris and I ran into each other. And at the Starbucks. At, at a Starbucks, and um, my colleague that I was with was telling, was bumping me, and and was saying, "Tell, tell Christina, you know what you what you're doing." And Christina's like, "Well, what are you, what's going on?" And so I said, "Well, I'm starting my own private practice." And Christina was like, "Really? Are you interested in having a a partner?" And I was like, "I I hadn't really thought about that, but." So I gave her uh, my business card that I had made. And I said, if you're really serious, let's have a conversation next week. We met up the following week and decided we both have mutual goals and we're mutually um, driven. And we decided to partner up. And so that's how we started. And we started with a brick and mortar with uh, four offices where Christina and I did everything. We answered the phones. We did the billing by hand. We did the assessments and we the did treatment. We would take yeah. turns. And that particular office that we started at with the four rooms now has 20 operating treatment rooms. Wow. What a success story. 
And you yeah. go from, from birth to death, you said. Yes. Yes. So do you, are you guys like a Venn diagram? Do you like, like Christina, do you do the, the, the older ones and Renee, you do the younger ones and you cross in the middle or does, do you both do everything? Or, <laughs> well, or, well, you know, I, in all, listen, it's so big now. I mean, we have a full staff of SLPs and SLPAs. Got it. And so we have, SL, yeah, we have SLPs who prefer pediatrics. So they do pediatrics. We have some SLPs who like the adults. So they see the adults. We have SLPAs who primarily do the pediatric population. Renee and I now, it's very few and far between patients that we actually do see. Personally, as now we run the business end of it. But definitely mm-hmm. in the beginning, in the beginning, I would say that I was handling a lot of the pediatric um, medically fragile and Renee was handling more of the adult, young teen, um, social pragmatic kind of goals, um, we definitely have some areas that I think we favor, mm-hmm. but I like to call myself a generalist. So I'll do it all. I will go ahead and if it comes in and I've seen it before and I have enough background, I'll see it. Excellent. So we have, because we have four clinics and kind of on the border of possibly doing and investigating our fifth clinic, we really don't have the time necessarily to do as much treatment as we had initially started because running a business with four to five clinics is time consuming. Right. Um, But it's interesting how you talk about networking because, you know, Christina and I met through the ability for Christina to network and not lose contact with me or, or vice versa. And we always tell people when we interview, because we do take graduate students placement because we're considered a outpatient medical rehab facility mm-hmm. and do have various patients with communicative disorders. So we do get a large number of graduate students trying to get into our clinic. Um, and we tell them and we tell these young students, please be careful of the bridges you burn because you don't want to burn one that you're going to have to cross over again. And there's quite a bit of chance that you will have to go back over that bridge. So, you know, when we also have graduate students, when we interview them for placement, we ask them, are you willing to maybe go to our other clinics? And they're like, not really, you know, that's a little far for me to drive. It's about, you know, half an hour away and I can only go certain distance. (laughs) And we just go, that's not the right answer. We need somebody because right now it's really difficult to get a placement. So you're willing to put in the work. Well, we are willing to teach you and we are willing to give you everything you have and have a great knowledge base, but you're going to have to, you have to be willing to work and you have to be willing to do what you need to do to get those hours done and gain that knowledge and have opportunities because you don't know by networking, by following through with interviews, by trying to go the extra mile, you don't know what impression you have made. Maybe it didn't work out this particular time for the interview, but that doesn't mean I don't have a business partner, friend, or another SLP that we know of that we could say, hey, that person didn't work for us but let me introduce you to another company or another SLP that we think would be beneficial for both of you. So we try to say, don't let that networking ability drop. You have to go that mile and do that, what you need to do. 
Well said. Well said. Networking is a skill that new speech pathologists would be very wise to continue to cultivate and learn and observe. I definitely yeah. so I I you know being an older SLP and you know I don't know whether it's the newer generation who I feel at times are like well that doesn't really fit my needs <laughs> or no I'm not willing to do that I I don't understand it because that's not you know where I was all those years ago I if I needed to drive wherever I needed to drive and I can say the same for Christina even though Christina's a lot younger than I am I know that both of us were willing to do whatever we needed to do to get the job done, to get to gain that knowledge. And, you know, and I think sometimes some of our graduate students also have this idea of this magical SLP world where we're caregivers and we come from a loving place. But sometimes the world isn't a loving place. And sometimes you run into staff members, doctors, you know, other staff members, principals, whoever is in your SLP world that aren't exactly the kindest and they don't respect the field as much as we'd like them to. And so you have to, I always tell everyone, put your big girl panties on. Mm-hmm. And up. you're going to have to figure this out. So let's get going. <laughs> Would you but, agree, Chris? Yes. And I mean, to that, again, you know, I'm, you know, of a recent wave of graduates, Although like, oh my God, like six, seven years out. But I, the networking for me, you know, I had various supervisors. I had done various clinic rotations and I did a variety of settings in a short period of time post-graduating. Um, I did a CF at a medical facility and I was doing per diem work and I had the opportunity. And I think I was very fortunate to have the experience that I have in such a short period of time. And I did my best to be this person that was like, listen, if you need me to be there, I will be there. I did everything in my power to really show a good work ethic. And, you know, Renee can speak to this. Our clinic now honestly houses many of my old supervisors. Oh, They have come on board um, on our clinic and are employees of ours now. And I think that stems from honestly the hard work that I did put in. I, I, I showed up, I made the drive. And I tried to be the best clinical student and the most flexible. Um, and I really showed that this was a passion of mine. And so I think they valued that. And so when I came on board with Renee and her company and we joined and I was able to partner in and and we started networking to try and recruit SLPs and recruit SLPAs, we were able to pull from our you know group of SLPs that we've worked alongside um, for many years. And that really also facilitated our growth. And so I think that's very important. And I do, we supervise students now and, and I, I, you know, sometimes I'm pleasantly surprised and then sometimes I'm taken aback. Right. <laughs> so what words of networking advice do you have for the new student or the new graduate? I guess for for me, it would be, my advice would be is take advantage of every opportunity you can. Sometimes you don't think of something as an opportunity, but you never know. It very well could turn into an opportunity and you don't want to have had let that escape from you. So if there's even these little opportunities and 
somebody says, hey, would you, would you like to come observe over here? Do it. Go see what it's about. You never know what it will turn into. So opportunities are everywhere. So, and you have to take advantage of them. So take advantage of them. Go. Go see what it's something's about. If somebody throws you a rope, hang on to it. Go see what it, what's going to happen next. You never know. Also, remember professionalism. I think when you're networking, always remember that, you know, this is a profession and always hold yourself to those professional standards. And so when you meet a new clinician or you meet um, anybody kind of within the field, you know, put your best kind of foot forward in how you present yourself. Um, Because I think sometimes too, just in passing um, at a conference, right, or at a meeting, you don't think that that's a networking opportunity. You know, you're like, oh, I'm not here to network. I'm just here to learn this thing, right? And then the way that you present yourself, right, could be the essence of why you get an opportunity or not. Because right. I would tell you that if I meet someone who definitely seems like she is dressed to impress, she's ready to go, I might extend an opportunity to that clinician before I extend it to somebody else who has sunglasses on, right? not very approachable, Right. And does it seem interested in the field? Well, I was at ASHA last year. Unfortunately, not at ASHA this year. None of us are. And I was in a hallway off somewhere in one of the, it, it was not one of the main hallway bathrooms. And I ran into one of the ASHA, like the ASHA board leaders, right? And I struck up a conversation with her and she's like, hey, let me take a picture of your badge. You just really sound interesting. And it's just like, you never, never know. I had no clue who she was. I probably shouldn't admit that. And afterwards, I'm like, oh, my word. You, you know, you, so you, you treat. And it's just like the patients that we treat. We don't treat one patient better or worse than another based on who they are. Um, you know, we treat them just wonderfully the same um, in that respect. But it's, and it's like with the networking you know, Renee, like you said, welcome those opportunities. And Christina, be professional about things and learn how to grow up and grow into the big working world and mm-hmm. and and be professional and, and mature. What words of advice do you have? Now, you have a lot of employees. What words of invi- advice do you have um, for conflict resolution? <laughs> That was a good one. Because <laughs> Christina and I, <laughs> you know, we're two strong-willed females here, you know. And mm-hmm. honestly, we're both Latina, so we're both hot-blooded. And so we have um, conflict resolution that she and I work through. But we work through it really well. And it's all about communication. And, and there's a maturity factor where, you know, you have to be able to have a working relationship either as a business partner or just as an employer-employee situation where you have to be un- understand that somebody may not always be happy with you or what you've done. And if they've come to you and they've said, you know, this is the issue that we're having, the first thing isn't to always be defensive about it. It might be to take some responsibility for it because Christina and I definitely have had conversations where listen, you know, we need to have a sit down discussion about this. And we do, we sit down and I may not always like to hear what Chris has to say. And she may not always like to hear what I have to say, but we have to definitely listen and we have to take it all in, evaluate. Well, maybe I 
you're right. Maybe I did mess up that and I could have done it differently. You're absolutely right. I didn't see it that way. Thanks for pointing that out. I'll, I'll try to be better. And um, think about it really fully and then move on. It's, it's an opportunity to learn. It's an opportunity to take somebody else's perspective and not be defensive about it, but open about it and then move on, learn from it and move on. Because if you hold on to it, you're not going to grow. And you always want to be continually growing. I mean, that's part of our field continually grows. And as humans, we have to continually grow. So Christina and I definitely have this situation sometimes where we sit down, we let each other know what we're not happy about. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, after we've discussed it, we look at each other and go, so what do you feel like having for lunch? (laughs) Right. After you've discussed it and you have to come to some kind of resolution and granted, not everybody may be happy, right? Because somebody at the end of the day, somebody has to be right. (laughs) Because when you run a business, you can't work on this. Well, maybe, right? Because decisions have to be made. And so at the end of the day, you have to come to some kind of solution, resolution, and then you have to move on. You have to just close the door on that and say, hey, we're moving on. Let's be back to our, you know, regular (laughs) schedule program because we have employees, we have patients, we have a community that we serve. And so we have to make that those decisions quickly and we have to be mature about it and we have to move on. So words of advice, those are excellent words of advice taken from two ladies who run, run a business. How, um, any words of advice for the new student who's interviewing with you or anybody in general? Show up to the interview. First oh. of all, is that a problem? Sometimes it is. We've had plenty of people who no show to interviews. Oh, it happens. It happens actually more than, than you would think. So, you know, keep the appointment. Even if you have something, maybe you accepted another position or maybe this position no longer something sometimes works, right? But you should always keep the interview mm-hmm. um, because it is people's time. And I think it shows a lot of respect and I think it shows maturity. And so keep the interview. I think after that, that professionalism, you know, it is an interview, you know, come, you know, with your best foot forward, um, make sure you have questions, right? Make sure you know about the company, you have a little bit of background about the company so that you are able to ask some questions um, and see that your values align with this company's values. Um, do some research. Um, it's those kind of pre-interview steps that you take that really make you prepared for the interview. Renee? I completely agree. I mean, when you talk about at least showing up for the interview, that's that's your opportunity to network. Because even if you're not even, even if you show up and maybe you're not the best candidate, you're networking, you're meeting new people. And the speech world, no matter where you're at, I mean, even different states, the speech world is so small mm-hmm. that people travel all throughout the country and we know each other. And, you know, that seven degrees of separation isn't just for Kevin Bacon. (laughs) You know, there's, we all know each other in some, somehow we have a connection. Mm -hmm. And best, like Chris said, put your best foot forward, come in strong. And um, 
I would say also don't necessarily think that you know everything as well. I mean, it's good that you have, you um, have a strong background and you feel like you know so much about the field and, but you haven't been in the real world yet. And the real world is a lot different than graduate school. There's so much more to learning about, depending on what area you're going to, learning about just relationships that you'll have with your colleagues, relationships that you will have with future employers. Um, if you go in the schools, what it's like working with educational staff, what's it like working with administrator? If you go in the hospital, what's it like working with a medical staff there and the doctors and where you're at on the totem pole in respects to that? So, you know, go in, but you don't have to go in so strong where you come off as you know everything. That's not always a positive. It, you're not always seen in a positive light that way, but enthusiasm, enthusiasm, I think, is is nice to see. Enthusiasm, but not overconfidence. Exactly. Because overconfidence can sometimes be a uh, smoke, smoke screen for yes. you don't know. Yes. People are going to assume you know something and you really don't. Right. You can get into some troubles because the longer you go without admitting you don't know something, the worse the trouble gets. Right. So, right. So you come in like, yes, I've, I've done this before. And we're like, okay, cool. Then we get it back. And like, <laughs> you're like, this is not what. Right. And then expectations. You know what? Then expectations are met. Neither for the student or the new CF or the supervisor. Right. Because the reality is the student or CF is also expecting a level of um, supervision, a level of support. Mm -hmm. And then us as the employer supervisor side, we're also expecting, you know, a level of productivity. Mm -hmm. And so if you're, if you come in stating that you can do certain things and the level of productivity for you is expected is, you know, we've set the bar here. And the right. same for you. You're like, hey, well, I need supervision here. And it's like, that's not where we were. <laughs> and as clinical fellow supervisors, we're not babysitters. It's not. And Christina's really shaking her head. We're not babysitters. We are there to supervise, provide support, resources, do whatever we can to help you and, and supervise you. But we're not there to um, babysit you. Right. And hold your hand through every treatment measure, right. you know, at yeah, right. right. Exactly. And I think sometimes, again, that interview process is so right. important because when you have the conversation about what supervision looks like mm -hmm. and what the expectations are, when you, as I think young CF or a graduate student, when you present yourself going, oh, I'm super confident. Like, I don't, I'm good. I, I don't need that. Like I'm, and then when you get into the field and you actually have to you have to interact with different personalities as in patients and staff, you know, then that's when you that smoke screen just kind of disappears. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. We yeah, see that quite often with, I think I'm a great assessor. I can do evaluations. Like I know this test, like I've been doing this. It's been going really well for me. And then we sit down and we observe and then, we go over the protocol and it's, you never met the basil. <laughs> Your ceiling is wrong. <laughs> oh no. And you well, know, they're embarrassed. So let's flip that question um, on its ear. What words of advice would you have for the clinician who comes in not very confident? 
Well, you know, I think Chris and I both like confidence and sometimes we do the fake it till you make it thing. Um, But I think if you, the way that we run our practice is nobody knows, there isn't any one person that knows everything. Mm -hmm. So if you go in saying, I may not know it, but I'm willing to try and I'm willing to go in and and do what I need to, to try and do. I'm going to make that attempt. Then we're right there with you. Um, So the confidence will come and we're really there to foster. We're supervising. We're not holding hands, but we've been there. We've all been in that same spot where we're CFs or we're grad students. So the confidence will come and we're kind of there to be like, yes, it will come. The more you do it, the more you get used to it, the more you understand what it is you're doing and why you're doing it, the confidence will come. But I think, um, do you have to have some level of confidence being um, in this field? Because otherwise, you'll, I think you'll be, you'll be run over pretty quickly. And I think your confidence can come in for at least your passion of the field. We mm-hmm. tell, you know, newer um, graduates as well, just kind of what Renny was saying, like, you may not know it, but if you have the passion and if this is really what you want to do and you, we're going to teach it to you here. You're going to acquire the skill somewhere and you you can acquire the skill here. But what I can't teach you is passion. And what I can't teach you are your intentions. So I think if your intentions and your passion for the field are there, you're going to pick it up. You're going to get it. I promise you will, because you have the will to want to learn it and want to be better for the sake of the profession, because you love the profession so much. Um, and so I think you can at least gather some confidence in saying, I love this field. I love learning. I, I'm an active learner, right? And I love being and helping people. So I think for those that may be coming in not so confident, right, thinking that this is such an overwhelming, there's so much, so many things that you can't learn all the things, you can at least come in with confidence about going, hey, I love this field and I'm confident that I'm in the right field, <laughs> There you go. Finding a common first foothold that you're confident in. Right. Maddie, don't, don't get us wrong. We, we've seen, we've seen students that are like, how how did you pick this field? You don't have any social skills. Mm. (laughs) That's terrible to say, but I I think we have seen some clinicians come in and like, "Mm, I'm not sure if this is going to be the direction that you need to go because how, how did you get to this point where your social skills yourselves are just, they're not very good? That would be, that would be hard. I have read on um, just some of the social media, Facebook and things like that, not very often, but people who get into this field and they're like, this is not the right field for me. It and requires then- a lot of interaction. And they segue into a different area, which hopefully they're much happier in. Yeah, maybe research. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but one of the, my favorite things about this field and about podcasts just like this is I have talked to so many people who say, okay, I'm going to go work in the school system or I'm going to go do this. And then they get out and they're like, look at all the things I can do. Look at all the settings I can work with in all the people I can work with, etiologies. I mean, it's wide open. 
So if there's one area that you're not keen on, then then shift and move to another area. Um, I, I brought this example up before. Kelly Slump is a, somebody I interviewed earlier. Um, she's a YouTube podcast star. And she went into the field thinking she was going to be a medical SLP and didn't care for it. And is now, you know, just pediatrics all the way. Mm-hmm. And so being able to shift, shift where you want your career to go is really being, is it being, is important. Yeah. The flexibility of this career is amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's interesting, Maddie, that you say that because we have graduate students that when they come to interview with us, they say they, you know, one of the things that they really are interested in, or they think that they have some relatively good skills is dysphagia or dysphagia, however you mm-hmm. want to say it. Um, and we say, oh, oh, so have you done a bunch of swallowing of vowels? Oh, no, through simulcast or whatever it is. And we're like, oh, so you've never actually done one in, in person on a real person? Well, no, but I'm really interested. And I think I, I really like it. And then we get those patients in and they're like, um, I, I don't I don't really like this. <laughs> right. What? Then they have to yonker out mucus and then they realize, like, <laughs> you know, like maybe this isn't for me. The nurse isn't going to do that or caregiver. <laughs> no. Right. Then they have to perform oral care. And then it's like, <laughs> so moving around, being able to move around and, and it just, yeah, fine. Find a spot that fits you. And one of the things I've noticed interviewing private practice clinicians like you two is you two have really been able to carve out a, a business for yourself doing what you love. Yeah, And that's really neat. Yes, I go yes. to work happy every single day. It could be very stressful. It could, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're in the middle of a pandemic and I still enjoy going to work. Yeah. And I will say that I want to say probably 99% of our staff feel that way because we walk in the morning, no matter what kind of morning it is, we walk in and we're like, buenos dias, right? Good morning, everybody. And everyone says good morning. And I love, I love going into work. I love what I do. And that wasn't where I was, you know, six years ago. I was dreading going to work. And that was really hard. That was really hard to think that I studied and I sacrificed and I'm in this huge amount of debt. <laughs> and I, you know, and I hate going to work. <laughs> I was like, this is this can't be it. Like this can't, I can't do this. Like this isn't gonna be a thing. So I can say that, you know. Five years into Five Oaks, like I just, I wouldn't change it. I do the therapy I want to do. I mentor how I want to mentor. I raise two small daughters and I have flexibility. It's, it's been a wonderful, a wonderful experience. What the old lady too. (laughs) (laughs) You keep saying you're old, but I'm a little older than you. And I love my age. I love my experience. I love where I'm at in this time of life. Um, I never thought I was in the trenches for 25 plus years working in the, as a medical SLP. Loved every just about every day, even the days where I had some. I worked in an outpatient clinic with with kids, and and some of them, you know, we had the policemen sitting next door because of behavioral issues. In the room right. next door. I mean, even the most challenging ones, the moment 
that door shut and that child knew that we were in that safe spot, I could just watch him. It still gives me goosebumps. Um, I just love, love our field. I love what we do. And now as a professor, I find the world just gets better because I get to pass this on to the students I work with and in this podcast and, and everything else. It is really, it's nice. It's refreshing to see mm-hmm. the younger generation, the the young graduates coming out with all the enthusiasm they have and all the energy that they have and the love, like Christina says, for what we do. And as you, Maddie, it's, it's you know, we're a caregiving field mm-hmm. and I think that it feels good when we can make a difference. And I do, we think we make a difference and we are, we are essential, right? We are. We definitely are. So in closing, do each one of you have a special story of a client you worked with that you just remember that touches your heart that you would like to share with us? I can, I can give you the story, which I think is a good one for all the new clinicians. Cause I think we're all, we all go through it at some point as a um, brand new clinician, not, Christina 2020 version. I was like, Christina, like 2012 version. I had a kiddo who was on the spectrum, who was very, who was very difficult for me, had a lot of behaviors, um, was a good solid size for his age. And I was at the time, probably 120 pounds of wit. So I was very timid. I was a very timid therapist at the time. And I just couldn't grapple with the behaviors and trying to do my speech therapy. And eventually I think the mom realized we weren't a good fit and she asked to be switched to another therapist and it happened. And she went to somebody else and he did better with somebody else. And I was heartbroken because I thought I was the suckiest therapist. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, beyond what, right. But I learned, I learned and I thought, myself this will not happen to me again I need to learn about behaviors I need to be a lot quicker with my (laughs) reinforcers and I learned and so the next time I had a child with similar behaviors um I did I applied all the things I had learned from this little one who went to somebody else and it was a great learning experience but I did lose a patient because I wasn't the therapist for them. So just to all the grads out there and to all the young CFs, it's going to happen to you. Someone's going to ask to be moved out of your schedule and it's okay. (laughs) A growing moment. (laughs) Growing moment. Growing moment. Thanks for sharing that. Renee, do you have one? I unfortunately don't have such a lightning story, but I think my my patients that I have that I still stay in touch with – on a every other week or monthly basis, um, we've established some some nice friendships, even though we're I'm no longer necessarily the clinician for them anymore because we've moved past the point where I can be a good clinician for them. Um, and but we we have grown to have adult relationships that are friendly. We're we're very friendly, and I look forward to seeing how they're going going to continue to grow. Um, because I think what happens is I get so invested in their lives and it's hard for me to let go and I have to see them through. And I know a few of them are going to pass away. Mm -hmm. And 
as heartbreaking as that is, I want to make sure that they still have some kind of touch and we still have some kind of relationship. And you will have those relationships where you might see some of your patients get to the point where they're going to pass away. And it's, it's very hard to watch and it's very hard to be a part of that, but know that you meant something to them in their lives and they'll always have a special place in your heart for them. It's tough, but. But what an honor to work with people at the very end of their lives where you can help with those very final communication points, things that need to be said and those final bites and sips of water. Yes. It's, it's a very important part when we welcome people into the world and when we, we say goodbye. Very, very, very important. Well, we jumped into this without fully saying your names and, and everything else. So now that we're at the end, would you say your names, please? Your full names and where you're from? <laughs> I'm Renee Robles. I'm from, well, I guess, San Bernardino. And I'm Christina Ramos from San Bernardino, and we are a part of Five Oaks Speech Therapy Services. Excellent. That will all be on the show notes and your contact information and everything else like that. So thank you, Five Oaks, for jumping on this podcast today with me. It was wonderful. It was a pleasure. Thank you. I hope today's conversation has created some aha moments for you and motivated you to become a better SLP continuing to connect some of those missing links between what you know and how to use that knowledge. Thank you for downloading the Missing Link for SLP's podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, I'd love you to subscribe, rate it, and leave a short review. Also, please share an episode with a friend. Together, we can raise awareness and help more SLPs find and connect those missing links and get the information needed to help them feel confident in their patient care every step of the way. Follow me on Instagram and join the Fresh SLP community on Facebook. Show notes are always available, so come learn more at freshslp.com. Let's make those connections. You got this.